Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Now Exodus 31 and verse 12 I'd like to pick up. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Is that all right? Is that too loud? Come everybody. That ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him, Upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now you'll notice here in verse 13, as we've got on your text, we come to the next redemptive name. And uh, this is a name that's not often uh, uh, picked up by those who do a study on the compound redemptive names of the Lord. But it's, uh, it's, it's variously pronounced this way, reading off your note here, verse 13 that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. The Lord your sanctifier, or else Jehovah Kodesh, however it's pronounced Hebrew, or others say Jehovah Mekadishkim. Jehovah Mekadishkim. It's another, another compound redemptive name of the Lord. Now just before we move on, let's see what is happening in the, in the experience of the nation of Israel so far. And if you turn over to the, uh, the other side of the sheet here, we'll just pick this up here. Now, notice that what we've looked at so far in Genesis 22, we have the first major compound redemptive name. Now, when we talk about compound redemptive names of the Lord, we're talking about the redemptive name of the Lord Jehovah, and it's compounded because it's Jehovah Al, it's, it, it's linked with the need of man. So when we say a compound redemptive name, it's the redemptive name of the Lord. He's the Redeemer. I am that I am. He will, all, he will be everything that we ever need him to be. That's what he's saying. But it's linked with some particular need of man. So in Genesis chapter 22, we have uh, Jehovah, J-H-V-H or Y-H-V-H, our provider. So he is our provider for everything. Now, This is to the father of the nation, as we've seen. Now, when we come to the book of Exodus, there's a certain uh, progression here, I believe, in the redemptive names. And then uh, we see we've had Exodus uh, chapter 15. And there the redemptive name was Jehovah, our healer. I am the Lord that healeth thee, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. And then we come to Exodus chapter... Was it 16 or 17? Um, 17. Exodus 17. And we come to the next redemptive name, which is uh, Jehovah Albana. Jehovah my victory. Jehovah Albana. All right, so Israel needs 
provision, God to provide, uh, or redemption for them. They need healing, and they need the Lord to be their banner, their victory. Now, the next thing that the Lord's giving them here, Exodus chapter 31, is what we're looking at tonight, is the Lord my sanctifier, or the Lord our sanctification. All right, so we see as God's unveiling everything that was given to Moses in the burning bush, I am that I am, or the redemptive name of the Lord. Now it's linked up with man, man's need. Man needs provision. Man needs healing. Man needs victory. Man needs a banner. Man needs sanctification. So it's no use Israel as the church in the wilderness, as we've said before, say, oh, I want God to be my healer. Heal me, heal me. Give me healing. I want God to be my banner. I want him to be my victory. God says, not only this, not only this, not only this, I want to be your sanctifier. And so we get to the whole truth of sanctification. Let's look up uh, some of these other scriptures here, just uh, a couple of them. All right, so the redemptive name we're looking at tonight is Jehovah Mekadishkim or Jehovah Kwedesh. We'll just refer to that in a moment. But uh, Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus chapter 20. And we'll, we'll put verse 7 and 8 together here. Uh, you've only got verse 8 on your notes there, but uh, I recommend that you put verse 7 and 8 because they're linked together. Okay, Le Leviticus 20 and verse 7 and 8. Sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. So God is telling them to sanctify themselves and be holy. Sanctification, truth of sanctification, truth of holiness. In verse 8, and ye shall keep my statutes and do, and do them. And here it is again, I am the Lord which sanctify you. I am Jehovah Mekadishkim. I am your sanctifier. All right. Uh, Leviticus chapter 21 and verse 8 and verse 15 and 23. We have the same uh, redemptive name. Okay, Leviticus 21. And verse 8, Thou shalt sanctify him therefore, for he offereth the bread of thy God, he shall be holy unto thee, for I am the Lord which sanctify you. Uh, for I, the Lord, which sanctify you, am holy. I, the Lord, Jehovah Mekadishkim, your sanctifier. I sanctify you, I am holy. Verse uh, 15, the last part, For I, the Lord, do sanctify him. Jehovah Mekadishkim, and verse 23, the last part of that verse, for I, the Lord, do sanctify them. So right through the scriptures we have this expression, I am the Lord, your sanctifier. So what we're looking at here, the Lord is our provider, the Lord is our healer, the Lord is our banner, the Lord is our sanctifier. How many are glad that the Lord is your provider? Amen. How many are glad that the Lord is your healer? How many are glad that the Lord is your banner? How many want to be sanctified? Okay, that's, uh, and I, I really believe that the bottom line today is holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. All right, let's uh, look under some definitions here. Just, uh, I try not to overload this here theologically, but uh, we need to at least have a brief understanding of the word. Okay, under a definition of the word, the word sanctify, or sanctification, holiness, and other related words, is used both in Old and New Testaments having the same basic meaning. In the Old Testament, in Strong's Concordance, we have 
quadash or kodash, uh, primitive root meaning, and it means to be, to make or observe as clean, ceremonially, ceremonially or morally. It is translated by a number of various words, some of these being consecrate, dedicate, hallow, holy, holy place, purify, sanctify, sanctified. So when uh, he talks about the Lord being our sanctifier, he consecrates us, he dedicates us, he hallows us, sets us apart for holy use, purifies us, sanctifies us. All uh, synonymous words here. All right, then we have the, another word very similar, uh, uh, Kadesh, and uh, it's a sanctum, the name of Kadesh, the name of four places in Palestine. The New Testament equivalent is in Strong's Hagiazo, and it means to make holy, to purify or consecrate, and it is translated by various words such as hello, be holy, sanctify. So uh, I refer you to some related words there in Strong's Concordance. It's translated in its various forms about 700 times. All right, so summarizing what we're saying there and the definition of the word, to sanctify means to make clean, ceremonially or morally, to consecrate, to dedicate, to hallow, to make holy, to purify. I believe if ever there's a need of sanctification and cleansing, we need it today. We're living in such an unholy society, an unclean society, when sin, which was kept secret and, and, and many times in, you know, in past years, people were ashamed to even speak of, uh, of the things that is just becoming brazen now. It's just an accepted lifestyle. And so just the moral putrefaction that is in our society where little children, it just blows me out of the top to hear little children talking about, you know, seven and eight, nine years of age. Well, I'm not gay. I'm not a sodomite and all that. I didn't even know what the thing meant till after I was married even. I was just naive. The mercy of God with having no parents that kept me morally clean at least. But today, our kids' minds are just polluted by these things. And if ever there needs to be a sanctified people, it needs to be in the church so that, you know, in the early days of the Salvation Army, and that's where I was born again, and reading some of the early Salvation Army history, their, their, their whole teaching on the blessing of holiness, the second blessing as it was referred to, blessing of holiness, in some of the early Salvationists, they were so filled with the presence of God and, and so lived such a holy life that there were testimonies when sinners would run the other side of the street rather than walk on the same side as a Salvation Army officer. They felt so unclean and convicted. And I said, where is that sense of holiness today? And I have to keep this for basic doctrine, but you see, there's a, there's a certain link up here that, la that, that, that there's a lack of repentance. And see, lack of repentance comes from lack of conviction. But lack of, of, of conviction and lack of repentance comes from a, a false sense of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. So it's just a chain reaction. And so because there's not that conviction of the holiness of God and that God hates sin and overemphasis in some places on sloppy agape and God is love, but we wonder about God is holy, don't talk about that. But God's love, he's too, God's too loving to send anybody to hell. No, he's not. He's too holy to take any sinner to heaven. 
So it depends which sign of the coin you're looking at. So we can't sacrifice the holiness of God for the love of God or the love of God for the holiness of God. But God's not going to let, let his love violate his holiness. Okay? So he says, you be holy for I am holy. So any sinner who got to heaven on the basis of the love of God unredeemed, heaven would be held to him. He couldn't stand. The blazing white light of God's holiness. No sinner could stand. He'd scream. I mean, you think of the men of God in the Bible who got a revelation of the holiness of God. They just, they were just, they fell at his feet as dead. Huh? And uh, what a need today. So we need to know Christ as Jehovah Mechadishkim, the Lord who sanctifies me. Can you say amen? All right, so that's the thought we have here. So it means to sanctify, to make, it means to make clean ceremonially or morally to consecrate, dedicate, to hallow, to make holy, to purify. The Lord is our sanctifier. He is Jehovah Mechadishkim or Jehovah Kodesh. Both Old and New Testaments teach that God is holy and therefore his people must be holy. I'd like you to look at these uh, couple of scriptures in Leviticus. Because uh, those of you who know me, at least know that the bottom line in my understanding is holiness unto the Lord. And I remember a brother charged me years ago that Kevin Connor has a holiness bug in his bonnet. He's always talking about holiness. He's got a bug. Oh, praise God, I don't want you to cast the bug out. All right, Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 44. And I, I do, I am inclined to get impatient, and maybe that's not holiness, but impatient with people say, well, that's Old Testament. Okay, we'll see what the New Testament says too. So Leviticus 11 verse 44, the verses on your notes there. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves and ye shall be holy. For I am holy. So God is holy and he's only going to have holy persons living with him. Okay, Leviticus 19 verse 2, while we're in Leviticus... Leviticus is a book of holiness. Leviticus 19 verse 2. Speak unto, the speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, You shall be holy. Why? For I, the Lord your God, am holy. So God wants us to be like Him. God is holy. He wants us to be holy. He's only going to take holy people to heaven with Him. Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. And this is not just Old Testament. This is New Testament and Old Testament. So 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16. And Peter is quoting from Leviticus. So verse 15, 1 Peter 1 verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or lifestyle, because it is written... Be you holy, for I am holy. So New Testament writers confirm the same thing. In fact, it's a very significant thing. Did you know that the bottom line in nearly every Pauline epistle was holiness? He wasn't worried about the gifts of the Spirit and 101 other things he had to deal with in the church. The bottom line was to the Pentecostal churches that Paul wrote to and and, and see, in the, in the early church, there were no other churches. They were all Pentecostal. They were all talkers in tongues. 
But what was the missing thing? Holiness of life. And every Pauline epistle is, he tells them to be holy. It's possible to be spirit-filled and not be holy. Possible to speak in tongues and not be holy. So, Peter says, As he which hath called you is holy, so you be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. All right, let's go to section B here. Sanctification in all the New Testament Testaments. The Scriptures teach that all things pertaining to the Lord had to be sanctified. We know the list of some of the things that were sanctified or made holy unto the Lord for His glory and use. Uh, let's just turn to one or two Scriptures here. Uh, we never do have enough time to turn to them, but because... We uh, hope that you will look at these scriptures between now and the millennium. Uh, we always add plenty of scriptures. Okay, Genesis chapter 2 and verse uh, 1. And uh, correction, that should be Genesis 2 verse uh, 1 to 3. So on your notes there. First, use, first specific use of the word sanctified. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. So Genesis 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And here we have the first use of this word sanctified and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Set it apart because that in it he had rested from all the work which God created and made. Created out of nothing, made and fashioned as a potter. Two words there. So God sanctified the seventh day in creation. And then we put a number of other scriptures there. So number one, days and seasons were sanctified. Uh, the seventh month of the year was sanctified. The month of tabernacles, the seventh year was sanctified. The Sabbath year, the Jubilee years, they were sanctified. There was days and seasons, special occasions, sanctified, set apart for holy use and seeking God. Uh, number two on your notes here, places such as, such as houses or fields were sanctified. Zion was sanctified. Jerusalem was sanctified to be a holy city instead of uh, became, becoming a corrupt city. Number three, the tabernacle and the temple were sanctified with, along with all the furniture. We put some scriptures there. The tabernacle shall, shall be sanctified by my glory, the Lord said. So the place of God's dwelling was sanctified. Then uh, number four here, the firstborn of man and beast were sanctified. Let's turn to uh, Exodus 13 on this one, Exodus 13. So what we're saying here, uh, that there are many things that as, as they related to the Lord, they were to be sanctified, set apart for holy use, made clean, ceremonially or morally consecrated, dedicated, hallowed, made holy to God, purified, set apart for holy use. Exodus chapter 13 and verse uh, 1 and 2, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. So they were sanctified. The firstborn of man and beast set apart unto the Lord. 
Uh, Exodus 19, Exodus 19, number 5. We've had cause to deal with this a bit on the Sunday uh, sessions together. The nation of Israel was sanctified. Let's pick up in verse uh, 4. Ye, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you'll obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of peace, and a holy nation. A nation that was holy, a nation that was set apart, uh, dedicated to the Lord, consecrated to the Lord, sanctified. I am the Lord, the, the, uh, Jehovah Mechadishkim, I'm your sanctifier. So they were to be sanctified in their food, in their dress, in their, believe it or not, in their hairstyles, in their beard styles. You say, a bunch of legalism. Tell it to God. We could get off on a little tangent on that, but when God took the nation of Israel as a nation from the other nations, because the other nations had certain dress styles, certain hairstyles, certain dress codes and beard codes, God even laid down how they were to handle their beards and how they were to do their hair. Now, if I did that, you'd say Kevin's legalistic, wouldn't you? I'd love to do it one day. And I, I, I'll just say this much for the present, distress. It's a very interesting thing that when kids get into a state of rebellion, the first thing they want to do is, I'm going to cut my hair like a punk rocker. And I'm going to be a cock-a-doodle-doo like boy George. And I'm going to wear a ring on my ear. I'd like to get one and put it on their nose and pull them around like a bull. Now why is it? Now we do laugh, but why is it? Because there's something in here that wants to identify with the rebel culture. See, call it legalism, call it what you like, but... God said, I want you to be a holy nation. So he laid down things that we would say, bunch of legalism today. So uh, I better not say any more on that. That's, but that's, I will say this. That's why. Hmm. Should I say it, Kevin? <laughs> that's why I don't like to see women becoming so mannish. Thank you, thank you. More, more amens, please. Cut the hair like a man, dress like a man, wear the pants like a man, smoke like a man, swear like a man, they can stand like a man. And men becoming more effeminate and womanish. You shake their hand and give it back to them. <laughs> Is this good stuff? Eh? I'm talking about, I'm the Lord that sanctifies you, Jehovah Mechadishkim. Yeah? I better get off that. Because I'm inclined to lose my sanctification when I get on those things. <laughs> but uh, you see, the reason a lot of Christians do these things in the church, and one dare and preach on it because you're branded as legalistic. The reason is that most people don't realize that the feminists and the unisex people, when they want to change, the first two things they start on is dress code and hair code. Think about unisex and break down the distinctions. And so instead of talking about Manhattan, you say person-hatton. And a fellow went down a manhole. No, he didn't. He went down a person-hole. 
and I want a manager. No, I want a persager. Yes, like how many have seen uh, New Life this week, the new Bible that's out? So they've cut out uh, pretty well every use of man in the Bible. Eh? So in the beginning when God created male and female, he created them two persons. And one person married the other person. Eh? Now see, it's... And Let's get back to our notes here. <laughs> Number six, I want to get to the punchline here. Maybe I've already got there. <laughs> Glory to God, hallelujah. I'm square, how many know I'm square? Headed for a four square city, I'm going to be four square forever, praise God. Okay, number six, the priests were sanctified before their service to the Lord and on the golden mitre of the high priest, right across the forehead, the seed of the mind, the thoughts, the imaginations, the reasonings, was holiness unto the Lord. Boy, we could do with a mite on our forehead today, couldn't we? Okay, number seven, Christ Jesus himself was sanctified, set apart from all evil. He said, I sanctify myself, and then uh, number eight, believers in the body of Christ are to be sanctified. All right, now, this is the main part I want to get to before our time just... Uh, just runs away. Just before we move on to section C, let's turn over to 1 Thessalonians 4. This is on, your, on, on point 8 now. So believers in the body of Christ are to be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse 3. And this is so clear. Now it's referring to moral purity. But in, in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 he says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So it's the will of God that his people be sanctified. To know him personally. See, it's not just a doctrine, but it's to know him personally as our provider. To know him personally as our healer. To know him personally as our banner. To know him personally as our sanctifier. So this is the will of God, even your sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. And I'm glad for verse 24. I'm glad verse 24 follows verse 23 in my Bible. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Full and complete sanctification. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as if Paul sort of almost anticipates we're going to throw up our hands and say impossible to be fully sanctified. He says in verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Hallelujah. I like what someone says, said the other day. Where was it? That it was not just their faith, but it was the faithfulness of God. So, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. All right, now let's go to section C. 
Now, as we study this, uh, the doctrine of sanctification, and particularly our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the redemptive compound name, Jehovah Mechadishkim, the Lord our Sanctifier, we find that there are three major means that God has provided for the believer's sanctification. I want you to turn to these scriptures, at least a couple of them. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 2. And I'll give you a fill-in here. I'll give you a fill-in in a moment. Let me just read a couple of scriptures first. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. Hebrews 2 and verse 11. And we want to look at the three means of sanctification. Okay, in Hebrews 2 verse 11, For both he that sanctifieth, uh, who's he that sanctifieth? Jehovah Mechadishkim, the Lord my sanctifier, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ is my provider. The Lord Jesus Christ is my healer. The Lord Jesus Christ is my banner. The Lord Jesus Christ is my sanctifier. Jehovah Mechadishkim, the Lord my sanctifier. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, one body, many members, join one to another, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers. It's powerful, isn't it? All of one. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And then our last verse here in Hebrews, Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Hebrews 13 verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord... What's that? Oh yes, I'm sorry, thank you. Yes, verse 12. Wherefore Jesus, this is our answer. Uh, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people, what with? With his own blood. Now I want you to uh, notice something here as we look at these three means of sanctification here. First thing is that we're sanctified by the blood. Wherefore Jesus... Also that he might sanctify, make holy, dedicate, consecrate, purify, hallow the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 also I'd like you to look at it because we're looking at the most important part here. Okay, how do I know that I can live a sanctified life? And I believe it is possible, don't you? All right, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 again, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So number one, the first means that God has given us is the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, number two, let's move on. Uh, we'll pick up in John chapter 17. We'll just pick out a couple of scriptures here on this one. John 17, the second means... John chapter 17 
and we'll pick up in verse 17 through to 19. Sanctify them. Jesus praying for his disciples. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In verse 19, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Alright, sanctified through the truth. Now just, uh, I want to give you another word in a moment. Let's turn over to uh, Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, all these scriptures are on your notes here. I believe they're so important. Ephesians 5 and verse 26. We'll lead in from verse 25. Uh, Husbands, love your wives. How? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Okay, that's the second thing I want you to pick up. Number two, we are sanctified. If you're taking this down, put it in the order I'm doing it here. Sanctified by the blood sanctified by the word. So the washing of water by the word. It's a very interesting thing that the the Greek uh, word here for washing of water by the word is the laver. The laver. We think of the brazen laver in the tabernacle of Moses and the washing of water of the priests. So the washing of water by the word. Titus chapter 3. Titus 3 and verse 5. Another beautiful verse, Titus 3 and verse 5, page 268, 269. Listen to this one, Titus 3 verse 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration. And the Greek word again there for washing is the laver, the washing of water by the word, the laver of water by the word, and here we have the laver of regeneration, the washing of water by the word. One other scripture on this thought here, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, another tremendous word here, Psalm 119. And verse 9, Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Question. Answer. By taking heed thereto according to what? Thy word. All right, so question, uh, our second fill in there is, it's the blood that sanctifies us and the word sanctifies us. Okay, number three. The third one we go to now is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I like to hear them rustling of the leaves. And verse 11. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by who? By the Spirit of our God, okay? By the Spirit. Let's uh, link up with uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians 2, okay? While you're turning to that. So number three, 
Sanctified by the Spirit. Sanctified by the Spirit. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. One other scripture which we've already looked at, 1 Peter chapter 1. I'd like you to look at this again with me. 1 Peter chapter 1. Sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 2 again. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood. Now I want to give you one more scripture and then I want to make some uh, more remarks before our time's through. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 26. This, uh, this is on your, on your notes there, Acts 26. Now just before I read the scripture, I want you to listen carefully to me and maybe take down some notes here. Comments. Now I believe the scripture shows that as we have this personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he is my sanctifier. So I come to the Lord and say, Jesus, you're the Lord Jesus Christ. You're the Lord my provider. You're the Lord my healer. You're the Lord my savior. You're the Lord my banner. You're the Lord my sanctifier. And as I study his word, he shows me how I can be sanctified and live a sanctified holy life. Now, I'm not perfect, but as I, as I obey what I'm, I'm going to give you here, I believe I live a sanctified life. So, he says in his word, the blood sanctifies you, the word sanctifies you, the spirit sanctifies you. Now, the thing I want you to note here is the, the, the sentence I've got there. These three work only together in order to be effective in the life of the believer. Now, you can't have one without the other. Now, uh, this might be a frightening statement, but let me say this. Um, the blood won't work unless you are obeying the word. Now, I remember a, a brother, and I've mentioned this before without his name, when uh, he was a car dealer, he belonged to Alibaba and the 40 Thieves, as far as I was concerned, and uh, he would cheat and lie in business, and when I'd face him on it as his minister, yeah, oh, the blood covers that. Anything I do, the blood covers that. But I said, you're lying, you're cheating in business. He said, oh, I'm not trusting my righteousness. It doesn't matter what I do. I I'm trusting the righteousness of Christ. And uh, anything I do, the blood covers it. I said, you're using the blood as an excuse for sin. You can't do it. Now, I gave him this scripture. See, 1 John chapter 1 says, if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, what happens? We have fellowship one with another, and what happens? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. Now, these might be frightening statements, but they're truthful. The blood cannot work in darkness. Disobedience work, uh, renders the blood inoperative in our life. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood is cleansing me. So as I'm walking in light, and what is the light? Light of the Word. So as I'm walking in obedience to the Word, the blood is sanctifying me, the blood's cleansing me. But if I live in disobedience and deliberate disobedience of the Word, 
not talking about sins of ignorance, then the blood is rendered inoperative because the blood can't work in darkness. Let's say the reverse. If I don't walk in the light as he is in the light, then fellowship is broken and the blood is rendered operative. If the blood only works in light. Now, who applies the blood? Now, this man said, oh, the blood, I just claim the blood, the blood, the blood, you know. No, it's the spirit that supplies the blood. As I'm walking in the light, so this is the order. As I walk in light and obedience to the word, the obedience, I'm walking in the, in the light of the word as far as I know. What's happening? The spirit is applying the blood to me. Don't have to struggle or strive. I'm living a sanctified life. Can you say amen to this? Okay. No struggling or striving. No legalism. No works. Abiding. Relationship. Because the three work together. Listen to our last verse and our time's up. Acts 26 verse 18, and this is your fill in here, I'll read the verse. Uh, commissioned to Paul. So he says, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of God power of Satan, pardon me, unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are what? Sanctified by faith that is in me. Sanctified by faith that is in me. And I believe what I'm preaching tonight. Do you? Do you believe? I believe what I'm preaching. This is not just a sermon, but I believe what I'm preaching. I'm sanctified by faith, faith in the blood, faith in the word, faith in the indwelling Holy Spirit. And as I walk in obedience to the word, the blood is cleansing me. It's present continuous tense. It goes on cleansing me. While I sleep, while I drive on the freeway and some of those rough drivers around, not only the women, uh, the blood is cleansing me. It's sanctifying me. And the Spirit abides with me. The Holy Spirit's in me even while I'm asleep. Sometimes he wakes me up and gives me some thoughts, you know, to tell my wife to put on the light to write them down, you know, something like that. But she's always sleeping, you know. Jehovah Mechadishkim, the Lord who sanctifies me. And as we got on our note there, I want to know him as the Lord my provider. It's It's a relationship. The Lord my healer, the Lord my banner, the Lord my sanctifier. We are redeemed to be sanctified. Israel needed to know the Lord in every area of life. Sanctification is not only a doctrine or an experience, it's a personal relationship with Jehovah Mechadishkim, the Lord who has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. Can you say amen? Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.